This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, how is everybody doing? It is A's Cast Live, a Friday edition. And I'm excited about today's show. And the reason why I'm excited is three of my favorites are on today. Roxy Bernstein, A's broadcaster and ESPN. We'll talk about what he has for game of the week for ESPN. That will be tomorrow. The general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Force, will be here at 430. And then Mark Langston, Bay Area kid, the greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player of all time. Had a wonderful 16-year career. He was an all-star. He led the league three times in strikeouts. He won a bunch of gold gloves. And Mark is now a broadcaster doing a great job for the Los Angeles Angels. So it's Roxy at 415, David Forrest at 430, and Mark Langston at 5 o'clock. And it is weird that we have played this much baseball and have not seen the Angels. It's been 51 days into the regular season, and we're finally going to see the Angels. And the Athletics are going to play seven over the next 10 days. They're going to play the Angels seven uh, times over the next 10 days. Remember last year, the A's won six of 10 against the Halos. And everybody had the Halos as a chic pick. Well, no Mike Trout, no Albert Pujols. The Angels have lost six of eight without Mike Trout. And I've asked Ray Fossey this, I've asked Ken Korak, and I'll now ask the great Commander Cody. Can you imagine before the start of the year, right before the start of the year, and I would have asked you, by the time the A's finally face the Angels, we will not see Mike Trout or Albert Pujols. Uh, I would have not. I would not have envisioned that happening. If you would ask me, would we have not seen Anthony Rendon? I would have said, yeah, you're probably right. He probably would have been hurt, and because he's he's technically hurt a, a good bit, but he's playing, but he's struggling a little bit. But yeah, Trout and and Pulhouse, I would have figured one of the two would have been there. Pulhouse more than Trout, maybe because, well, they're paying him a lot of money. But now Pulhouse is a a Dodger, and he had his first Dodger home run last night. By the way, I don't know if you saw that or not, and. Josh Reddick was playing last night for the Dodger or for the Diamondbacks, and uh, they played. Uh, I saw the sign uh, the organist did. Uh, that was kind of funny. But uh, going back to the Angels now, pretty crazy that those two guys are not playing. Uh, Shohei Otani, 14 home runs. He's been the um, the whole reason to watch the Angels this year. Let's be honest. I mean, Mike Trout was playing great, but Otani kind of took over the headlines for the Angels because I'm sorry, I'm not tuning in to watch Jose Quintana pitch. No offense to him. But in six of his seven starts, he hasn't gone past four and a third innings. So I'm not really doing that. And he's walked 19 guys in like 25 innings or something like that that he has pitched this year. So not really doing that much for me this year. They have the highest ERA overall in baseball for a team at 520. 
So if you're looking for any silver lining to watch the Angels uh, this year, it's Shohei Otani without Mike Trout and Albert Pujols playing. Well, they're only 19 and 25. Oh, Store, hey, seven games so early. back already. Still early. Uh, a minus 43 run differential. Minus 43. They're bad. That's the bottom line. And people had them being a playoff team. And without Mike Trout for two months, and, and, and what did we say here on A's Cast Live? We're not buying it, and we're not buying it because I don't know how they're going to get 27 outs. And I remember Jeff Blum, Blummer, who we just recently had on. I asked him, he goes, yeah, I don't get it either. Why are people so high on the Angels? Well, it's because these East Coast people really don't pay attention, and the Angels pitching isn't very good. But, yes, Shohei Otani offensively is incredible to watch. Pitching-wise, is it a fair question to ask? Are you hurting your pitching staff by catering everything around him? We joked, what was it, two days ago? We joked, Otani was pitching, and, you know, Cody's all fired up, wants to watch it, he's all excited, and I go, he won't even go five. Cody brings it up, it's like, He's gone four and a third. He goes, oh, he's now going to go five. We get back to the show, and then all of a sudden, Cody realizes, oh, he's been pulled. He's out. In, was he out in right or left? Where did he go? Uh, he went out to right field. So he didn't even get through five innings. Let me ask you, catering your staff around a guy that can barely go five innings, making it a six-man rotation to be all about him, is that really that good of an idea? I, that's where it's 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 like you start to ponder, like what what's his best role? Because if he can't go more than five innings every six days, I don't think he has much value as a pitcher. I mean, I want you to think about that. So what you're saying is you got a you got a rotation full of a bunch of guys that you're lucky they go five. Do you realize how good of a bullpen you would need to be successful in that scenario? Every six days, not every five days, they have a six-man rotation. So every six days, you've got a pitcher going out there, you're hoping for five. That's doom and gloom right there. Now, Otani is an offensive player. And by the way, I would love to find those scouts who went over to Japan, watched him play, and said, man, I don't think his bat's going to play in big league baseball. There were guys that filed reports that said Otani wouldn't be able to hit at the big league level. And right now he leads all of major league baseball with 14 home runs with a 933 OPS. It's pretty incredible. I think I found some of the audio of why they, some of the scouts talking. Can't hit the curveball. That, that was, I mean, that's one of the, I mean, I, that's just, that's some of the things, but I did hear some of the things, some scouts say. He throws the club head at the ball, and when he connects, it, he drives it. It pops off the bat. You can hear it all over the ballpark. So that's wow. a, that's, that's exclusive audio right there that no one, no, no other show can tap into that kind of knowledge. Yeah, th this is also one, too. Good Guy's player. an athlete, Good player. big, Good player. fast, talented. Top of my list. Clean cut, good face. 
See, I mean, that's, these are all things describing yeah. the way Otani plays. What what makes him so special? He's got a good face. I mean, you know, you know, already in his career, just looking at his numbers on baseball reference, he already has. I mean, for a guy that had, you know, they've limited him in the offense. You remember when he would pitch, he'd be off for three days, which was so stupid. We called that out, but he already has 61 career home runs. Can you imagine if he would have played every day his first couple of years? Now that he's basically playing every day, we're seeing the power. It's uh, pretty fantastic. You know, the thing about the A's, by the way, Cody, you're catching a break. Bob Melvin wants to do tomorrow at 11.30. Oh, right. Look at this. Perfect. You, it's all the, pu- the the pieces <laughs> of the puzzle are all coming together. I told you it'd be 6.30 in the morning, so it's, cl- I mean, that's, it's close enough. <laughs> for, for a 7 o'clock game? Yeah. <laughs> 7.07. Know, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's weird for a lot of people. They're like, wait a minute, they're playing at 7, 7.07 on a Saturday night? And, like, last night I was talking about it, and Robert Costa was like, our, our, our engineer was like, they have fireworks? I'm like, yeah. Angels have been doing fireworks every Saturday night. I was – how many weeks ago was it Angels-Dodgers, that that big the, – the freeway series? The, uh, that was a few weeks Two ago. Two weeks ago? Something like that, yeah. So we got done with our game, and I'm driving home from the Coliseum, and I'm listening to my man Mark Langston on XM. And, you know, because it, it's a Saturday night game. I'm driving home. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got fire. Like, they got fireworks? Oh, yeah, they've been doing fireworks in Anaheim. I mean, we're finally going to get the fireworks in July. But in Anaheim, in Orange County, the Orange Curtain, as they like to call it, uh, they've been doing fireworks. Southern California, far more open than Northern California. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow night, it's a, it's a late one. It's a 7.07 start. And uh, but yeah, we will have Bob Melvin and the Bob Melvin show for you. We'll have it on A's total access and we'll be putting it up on A's cast as Bob joins us weekly. I He really didn't want to get into it. But I want to know what happened when he got thrown out, because Bob in his career hasn't got thrown out a lot. He is no Bobby Cox. So something had to go on. And when Bob gets heated, it's very rare, but something happened in that game. Uh, the one stat that I want to bring up today, and I had it in the post game, which is it's disturbing. In the 10 games that they've played the Houston Astros, the Astros have outhit the A's 116 to 63. Now, I'm not going to go after your University of California, Pennsylvania, whatever your school was called. You got it, P- yeah. And the P- P- PSAC Conference. P- yeah, Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. Don't you dare disrespect Lou Trevino and myself like that. Yeah, you and Sweet Lou. Uh, that's a hit differential of 53. So in 10 games, the Astros have had 53 more hits than the A's. And it gets me to wonder how the heck – have the A's won a game against the Astros? I mean, that's scary. Let alone three. Six and one, the Astros are in Oakland. And all they do is hit. 
and they don't need home runs to score. They go double, double, base it, walk, base it. You know, like before you know it, I mean, they put a three spot on the board. And it gets back to batting average, which you, Darren Bush, and everybody's going to tell me doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, when I go to the stats, who has the highest batting average as a team in Major League Baseball? Uh, that'd probably be the Astros. Who scored the most runs in Major League Baseball? Uh, the Astros. Okay, well. They also uh, strike they, out the second least and walk the sixth most, I believe, too. <laughs> and then you start looking at the, the, the two guys around them are the White Sox and the Red Sox. They're all top five in hits and runs. And, you know, the A's have a ton of home runs, and they like to hold, you know, and we can talk to David Forrest about that. You know, they like to hang their hat on that. But as you found out, Cody, 59 home runs, but 38 are solo shots. It's just one run. Yeah, and I, I found that seven of Ramon's 10 home runs are solo home runs too. So, so seven of Ramon's 10 home runs are solo shots. And, you know, the A's, you know, you look at it, the, they're, t- they're tied for the, the AL lead in home runs with 59 with, with Boston and with Minnesota. Minnesota has the all-time record of 307. But the Red Sox are hitting 266 as a team and Boston's, or in Minnesota's hitting 240. The A's are hitting 222 as a team. And the A's have struck out 406 times. 406. Boston's at 384 and the Twins are at 374. So there's a big despair, you know, the discrepancy in strikeouts between – the A's and a lot of other teams. Now, they're not the Rays bad. The Rays will lead everybody in strikeouts. But the Rays will also won seven in a row, and they're right there in the AL, in the AL East, and they have a positive run differential. The A's are minus 18 in run differential right now. Only the Astros have a positive run differential in the AL West. And what's the deal? They trade Willie Adamas today to the Brewers? Adamas and Trevor Richards for two relievers that I know, but nobody has any idea probably who they are. And they're probably going to be Hall of Famers for the Rays in a couple of years. Because the Rays, they'll find them. They'll, they'll, they'll find uh, the one one of them uh, has a great changeup, and the Rays are going to exploit him and make him great. And that's what's going to happen. Adamus, and uh, the first thing I thought is, well, if they're trading Adamus, that means they're going to call up Wander Franco, the top prospect in baseball. No, they called up they called up another uh, pro, a prospect of theirs who's just going to like a plug and play, and they're probably going to call up Franco, probably because I, this isn't this is just me speculating. Don't um, even say it. Don't 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 be a rumor monger. It, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the the old. Uh, service time manipulation, but the Rays don't really strike me as an organization that does that. So I don't know, but that's a big trade that happened earlier today. So we'll see what they end up doing, but they require two relievers and the Rays uh, don't need relievers, but they go out and get two more relievers to put in their bullpen. Yeah. It's just reliever after reliever after reliever. Oh my God. Yeah. Why not call I mean, I, I don't know. How's Franco doing this so far this year? Uh, so far in the minors, I went back and looked. So far in the minors, Franco in AAA is hitting 283 with three homers and 10 RBIs. 10 RBIs. So he's actually not having a bad – Call him up. Call him up. Uh, why wouldn't you? He's a top prospect in baseball. That's better than what half the Rays are hitting. Brandon Lau's hitting like 199. So, I mean, he'll, he'll figure it out. I mean, but, I mean, you're, if you're a Rays fan, you want to see Wander Franco play. Well, and then in A's news – with Mike Fires going on the 60-day IL, Cam Bedrosian is coming up. Former Angel. Former Angel closer at one point, whose dad was a really good pitcher back in the day. Uh, Caleric goes back down to AAA, but Bedrosian, if he's right, got a good arm. It gives our arm out of the bullpen. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not saying 
you know, going to close, but I mean, he's definitely going to help. Well, he's the pride of game of the week on ESPN radio. And he's also an A's broadcaster and he's also PAC 12 network. And he's also the touchdown radio network. You name it. He works for him. It's Roxy Bernstein. How are you, Roxy? Uncle Tony, what's going on? So who do you got tomorrow? Game of the week. Tomorrow, we got a good one. We got the White Sox and the Yankees tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Pacific time on ESPN Radio. Hey, whatever you do, you better not be swinging 3-0. <laughs> you know what's funny is I'm, I'm doing a Yankee game tomorrow, and the Yankees aren't the story. How often <laughs> does that happen when you're doing a Yankees game, right? It's usually about the Yankees and the Bronx Bombers. And look, the Yankees starting to play well. Garrett Cole is pitching tomorrow. So there certainly is interest there, but the, the drama does not surround the Yankees. It's about what's going on with the White Sox right now. And who would have, I mean, you would have never thought that, uh, but, but you know what? There was a lot of people who question, Hey, if you're going to bring the old man back, how's he going to be? And, and I defended it by going, Hey, listen, this guy has managed some of the biggest egos in the history of the game, when you're talking about Ricky Henderson, when you're talking about Jose Canseco, Dave Parker, Dennis Eckersley, I mean, it just goes on and on and on, and I thought it wouldn't be a problem. But then he pulls this. I mean, not only does he not back his player, he calls his player out, and then the very next day puts his player back in the lineup where I think everybody knew Mercedes was going to get drilled. So he puts his own player in harm's way. And then after he puts his player in harm's way, he backs up him getting drilled. I mean, how, I mean, if you're a player, you're looking around, you're going, what the hell is going on? I think Tony LaRusso needs to read the room, right? There's a couple of elder statesmen in his, in his clubhouse. When, you know, Tim Anderson, you look at him, I think he's a guy that you need to have a conversation with just to get the temperature of what's going on with your ball club. And look, not everybody has to get along, right? We've seen teams that have absolutely despised each other that have won, right? Remember when, you know, Billy Martin used to fight with Reggie Jackson all the time back in the day. But yet at the end of the day, if they're winning, that's all that matters. And I think at this point, considering how well the White Sox have been playing, when you look where they're at right now in standings in the American League Central, the White Sox have a two and a half game lead on the Indians and they're 26 and 16. They have the best winning percentage right now in the American league. So uh, it, it certainly does beg the question into what the heck is happening with the White Sox. But I, I think that they're winning games and that's all that matters at this point. If they were losing, I, I think that the situation would be very different right now. And the New York Yankees, I mean, now Aaron Hicks is out with the uh, surgery to his wrist. I mean, that's the one thing that you could, like, count on the last couple of years with the Yankees is that they're going to have major injuries. And it's funny because they got off that horrible start, Chris, right? You look how bad they were, and people were wondering about the job security of Aaron Boone, which was never in jeopardy. I talked to a couple of Yankee people today. Um, but And it's crazy because they're not hitting. When you look at the roster, now they have the injury, which you alluded to with Hicks. Brett Gardner's not hitting. Clint Frazier's not hitting. The only guys that are really hitting right now are Aaron Judge and uh, Gio Ursula. Nobody else is really doing much. The catching has been terrible. 
as far as offensive production. And Gary Sanchez still struggles behind the plate. Kyle Higioshka is getting more run behind the plate anyways right now. But DJ LeMahieu's not really hitting. Luke Voigt just came off the injury list. He's only been back for a little bit over a week. They're not hitting. And I think that has to be scary for everybody in the American League East because they're going to start hitting at some point. They're, they're too good to not hit when you look at that roster and the money that they've shelled out for that offense. But they've got some decisions to make, like what's going to happen at shortstop? Is Glaber Torres the answer? They need to go in a different direction, make a trade the deadline. Do they go after one of the free agents, uh, a Correa? Do they go after a Marcus Simeon in the offseason uh, to shore up shortstop ever since C.D. Gregorius left to go to Philly? Um, their bullpen has been terrific. I mean, you look at what a role that Chapman's doing so far this year, it's insane. And their pitching has been carrying them. Their defense has been not good. Their base running has been horrible. And they're not hitting, but yet they're winning games. And they're six over 500 right now after that horrific start, they've recovered from it. But when they start hitting, that's going to make it really scary. And you wonder what's going to happen with the Yankees then. Can they really take off? You know, the rumors of Trevor's story. And one of the teams yeah. linked to, uh, obviously, the Yankees. But the A's are even linked to Trevor's story. I mean, because you're not going to have to give up a lot to get him because he's going to be a free agent. That's very interesting. It, it is. And you'd have to think that the Yankees would be in the market for him, right? Uh, of the shortstops that are available, at least for trade, during the course of the season approaching the deadline. Hey, Trevor Story has to be number one on the list, wouldn't you say? And I think there's a significant drop-off after that. I'm not anticipating Marcus being available, that the Blue Jays are going to consider themselves playoff contenders. They're four games over. They're only two and a half games behind Boston, who leads the division right now. So – you're looking at the pending free agents. The, the Astros are not going to move Correa before they, they would love to sign him. Correa keeps turning him down, which leads you to believe he could be gone in the offseason. So where does that leave you? Trevor Story, could the Rockies could profit, though. If he's the, the number one guy in the market and they're jacking the price up for him and they have bidding, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's you know the A's, which you allude to, somebody needs a shortstop. Well, the Rockies are going to be the first call made because he's, a, to me, without question, the most desirable shortstop that could be available before the deadline Roxy the Astros have out hit the A's 116 to 63 in the 10 games that's a difference of 53 hits uh just after watching these 10 games how, how do you see the two ball clubs well uh, in Houston the offense has been and I expected their offense to be good when you've got those lineups the, the, the depth they have in their lineup and Yuli Gurriel had the bounce back here. I don't think anybody thought that he'd be putting up the numbers that he's putting up right now because he took a significant drop-off last year. Uh, Michael Brantley's Mr. Consistency. Altuve is doing Altuve things. Uh, Correa hasn't had exactly the production they were hoping for. Jordan Alvarez clearly has bounced back. They're getting production, at least power, from Tucker, who's not providing the average. But they've got length to their lineup. And I think Gurriel has been the big plus for them this year that I think people maybe were overlooking with the Houston lineup. And I was doubting their pitching, to be honest with you, coming into the year. Verlander gone for the year and maybe Granke getting up there in years. Would Christian Javier and we saw Luis Garcia in the series. Rikidi, could these guys do it? And so far they've been doing it. And 
I, I think the way that they're going right now, I have questions about their bullpen, but to me, it's clear the A's and the Astros are the two best teams in the American League West, and it's not close. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm still shocked all the people who were touting the Angels in the offseason. It's like, I hey, didn't get that at all. Yeah, they just don't have the pitching. I mean, yeah. No. I mean, you like the pieces where you say, okay, Mike Trout's the best in the game. We know Shohei Tani's legit. Rendon's legit. Um, God, no, no one saw Pujols being uh, basically let go by this time this early. But, I mean, th- they are who they are, and I'm tired of everybody picking them and trying to tout them before every season. And then what happens? They fall apart. Well, it's the same problem they've had for years. You hit on it, Chris. They can't pitch, right? That, okay, you look at their, their squad, and they're six games under coming into play tonight. Their run differential is a minus 43. And it, it's the pitching's the problem. Okay, Rendon was banged up early, and certainly Otani has been out of this world so far this year with the production, 14 home runs. and But he's only walked nine times. Isn't that crazy? That the on-base percentage for Otani, it's just, okay, he's hitting 267, but the on-base percentage is 318. But it's the pitching. It's the problem for them. And it's been the problem for the Angels for years is pitching. Dylan Bundy you know, who they were counting on is 0-5 at this point. Um, and an ERA of over six after he showed a lot of promise, I thought. Andrew Heaney's a guy they were counting on. His ERA is well up over five. Um, Griffin Canning has been inconsistent. Otani has been in and out of the rotation dealing with issues. They brought in Alex Cobb. He's been just okay. We're going to see what Jose Quintana tonight. And then you look at the bullpen, and the bullpen has struggled. I mean, Ray Iglesias is closing for them. He's got an ERA of near five. So it's just, I'm looking at the, I didn't see it either before the year. I was like, what are people seeing in the Angels that I'm missing? I didn't get why I was not buying into some of the hype that other people were. And maybe we're getting proven right right now that, you know, the Angels were a fraud. They weren't as good as people were thinking they were going to be. Yeah, and, and, you know, we've been talking about it the last couple of days. If I would have told you before the start of the year that by the time the A's finally meet the Angels, there'll be no Mike Trout and there'll be no Albert Pujols. If I asked you that before the start of the season, what would you have said? Well, anytime that Mike Trout is out of lineup, and look, you never want to see anybody get hurt. I think you're okay with it, right? That, oh, we're going to play the Angels. They don't have Trout in the lineup. I'm good with that. Let's go. Let's Sign me up for this um, because when they're full go and look, Pujols had been declining for years. We saw it right before our eyes. At times it hurt me to watch him try to run. But when you can get Radone and the way Otani's swinging and Trout, those guys in the middle lineup, and we certainly know the success that David Fletcher has had over the years against the A's. And it seems like he's that pest he's taken up right where David Eckstein left off. But you look at the lineup, Upton's not hitting. He's hitting home runs, but he's hitting below 200. I'm, I'm good with playing the Angels right now, Chris. I'm good with them not having Mike Trout in the lineup for the next three days. And it sounds like, what, for the next six to eight weeks, they're not going to have them. Load me up with Angel games over the next few weeks if I'm Bob Melvin and the A's. <laughs> well, enjoy your ball game tomorrow because uh, you're going into the drama capital which uh, usually is the New York Yankees, but now it's the traveling Chicago White Sox. As everywhere you look, everybody's talking about 
Tony Larusa and his players. Well, I'm interviewing Tony for our pregame show tomorrow morning. Any tips you want to give me? Anything you want to know? Should I ask him? Go right after him, right out of the gate. Just get a hammer. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that'll go over well with Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know you made a mistake, Tony? Will you admit right now here on Tony, ESPN Radio? Exactly, Tony. You made a mistake. Really, your thoughts? Yeah, own up to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a good call, buddy. See you, Chris. Roxy Bernstein. I mean, it, he he is so right. I mean, when would you ever think the Chicago White Sox going into the Bronx? And I'm on MLB.com, and Cody, it's the it's it's the it's the number one story. It's it's Sox burn a path to Bronx, and then it's uh, Anderson on La Russa. It's okay to disagree. I mean, the drama around the White Sox right now is unbelievable. Did you do you do they have the quote from uh, Tim Anderson? Tim in Anderson? There? Yeah, I'll, I'll look on it. Because I have well, right David here. David is going to join us in moments. Here, here's what here's what he said. Tony's like the dad, and we're like the kids. We're like the bad kids who don't listen. Uh, we don't always agree, and that's okay. That's what Anderson said earlier today. Wow. I mean, I feel bad for Mercedes. This is a guy who's he's what twenty eight. His first year in the big leagues, he finally gets here, you know, and 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 this is all because you went up to the plate to do what your job is. Your job is to hit. I mean, right? I mean, your job. If someone's on the mound and they're throwing a ball, it's your job to hit. And all these unwritten rules and people are backing Tony and it's old school. Uh, Rich Eisen had one of the best comments where he called Tony La Russa the Geico uh, unfrozen, unfrozen caveman manager. <laughs> that that was good, and if people want to hear, I, I tried pulling it, but it there was too many f bombs and everything. But CC Sabathia went off on him. Uh, CC was uh, unfiltered on this whole situation. Yeah. Oh, really? Was he on a podcast? Yeah, his R two C two podcast with Ryan Rucco was unfiltered on the whole situation. And there was too many f bombs to edit. <laughs> it wasn't just f bombs. <laughs> David Force joins us here on A's Cast Live, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. How you doing, David? I'm good. I'm glad I wasn't the uh, the object of CC Sabathia's ire this week. <laughs> I mean, you know, we we just had Roxy Bernstein on, and he's calling the game on Saturday for the White Sox in New York, and he's like, "When would you ever go into a series where the Yankees aren't the story and the White Sox <laughs> are?" Right? I mean, that never happens. Well, they, you know, I think they have the, they have the best record in baseball. I mean, they probably deserve to be the uh, the topic du jour. But, uh, yeah, that's probably pretty rare at Yankee Stadium. What is it like just, you know, well, well I'm not going to ask you about the White Sox, but what is it like when there is a disagreement inside the clubhouse? And whether it's the manager or a coach and a player, what's that like for, for, for a general manager? And how, how do you handle it? Well, it's never easy. Um, I mean, we certainly, you know, we've had our, our share over the years. And, um, you know, I think the, the manager ultimately runs, runs the room down there. And, um, and he, you know, he's the one who has to be with the players, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, whatever it is. He's, you know, he's the one making the decisions and has to, has to talk to those guys face to face. And ultimately, you know, no matter how much 
you know, Billy and I are, are down there and around. We understand that, that Bob is the one in the dugout, Bob's the one in the clubhouse. And, and at least here, it's always been, you know, the manager has the ability to, to mediate things like that. So um, you hope you hope you have someone with the ability to, to manage people and um, and sort of keep those things in-house instead of them getting out onto, uh, onto podcasts. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we're so lucky with Bob Melvin, uh, the communication that he has with, with these athletes. You know, I remember being in his office, getting ready to tape the Bob Melvin show. And I, I remember Josh Reddick coming by saying, yeah, I'll take that day off. And just the communication that Bob has and the trust he has with the players. Uh, just talk about that, just how nice that is. And it's why you've had such a good clubhouse for so long. For sure. For sure. And, and, and again, that's not to say we haven't had our, uh, you know, our share of things to deal with, but, but Bob's always had the ability to, to deal with them because of exactly what you just mentioned. Cause guys, you know, guys come in and out of his office, he, he communicates, you know, something as little as telling you guys got a day off or, or telling you guys what his role is in the bullpen or why he's hitting a certain spot in the lineup. It goes, it goes a long way to when, you know, you, you actually have something real to, to discuss and communicate with guys Guys have that relationship. So you put Mike Fires on the 60 day IL, which, you know, it's just, I, I hate that for Mike, especially where he is in his career. Cam Bedrosian comes up, Cleric goes down. Just talk about the move that you made today. Yeah. Well, you know, the move with Mike, I talked to him yesterday about it. We, we sort of laid out his, his throwing program and it was going to extend to beyond whatever the 60 days are now. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks, obviously. And, um, you know, we want to make sure we get him right with, with his, his elbow. So um, I talked to Mike about that yesterday and, and it doesn't really change anything about the, the plan and the timeline for him. Um, you know, we signed with Drosian uh, right after the season started. He was with Cincinnati for the first, uh, you know, 10 days, two weeks of the year and, and got released. And, and Cam's a guy we've seen obviously a lot over the years with Anaheim and had some really good years in 17 and 18 against us. Um, but we got him in, got him into Vegas and, and he started the season off strong and we just wanted to give him an opportunity. Obviously Adam, Adam struggled a little bit. We saw it the other night, um, you know, just the ability to throw strikes and, and we need to make sure we have as many weapons as possible down in the pen. So Hopefully we'll get Adam Adam right down in Vegas and uh, and give Cam a chance here. Yeah, you know it's uh, you know whenever you're dealing with veteran players, it's it's always tough. And, and Mike has meant a lot to this ball club, uh, so hopefully we'll see him at some time in the year. You know when we start talking about pitching, and I asked Scott Emerson about this, and I wanted to ask you about this. Is for some reason the number one hundred. Like he's facing 100 pitches. Oh my God, he's gone over 100 pitches. When did it get decided that it was 100 pitches, not like 95 or 110? Why is it the 100 mark where everybody starts freaking out? It's a good question. I, I don't know that I have a, uh, a scientific answer for you. I, I think it is. It's definitely a number that we've we've sort of looked at over the years, and and I know Emo looks at. You know, he doesn't just look at one start and one number of pitches. We, we you know, we bunch starts in, in three or four in a row and try and measure a guy's workload. Um, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of the decisions now are also about effectiveness. I mean, you, you see guys with as hard as they're throwing and uh, as much effort goes into every single pitch. 
um, you know, Bob and Emo keep a close eye on, on the starters, and whether that's about, you know, velocity, maintaining velocity, whether it's effectiveness, you know, second, third time through the lineup. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but but you're right. I mean, we don't see a ton of starters going past 100 pitches. I think I I saw a stat recently. The White Sox, who we were talking about earlier, have exponentially more 100 plus pitch outings than kind of the rest of the league combined. I think. You know, a lot of articles are starting to come out about the ball again. And they're saying that the ball is lighter, and that means guys can throw it harder, but it means the ball's not going as far off the bat. I mean, what I, I don't know what kind of data people are working with, but, I mean, the, the athletic needs something to write about. Uh, have you seen a difference in the baseball in this season? No, I, I haven't. I, look, I've seen – I've seen articles. I've heard people say the ball is juiced and the ball is dead. I yeah. mean, it, it can't it can't be both. So, no. I, I mean, and even even some of the articles out there that that have you know alleged objective evidence, like they don't have the full data set. Like not all the you know they don't have balls from everywhere and every game and every time. And it just it it you can kind of get wrapped up in in this and and. Again, we talk a lot here about things we can control and things we can't. Uh, we can't control what the baseballs are or which balls we're using or whatever. You just go out and do do what you can with the ball you're given. So we we honestly don't spend a lot of time worrying about the baseball. Hey, you know, you know what's so strange about our game is that we're not sure about the equipment, which is so odd. Because I got to think most basketballs, I got to think most pucks. Uh, footballs, they're all the same. And we had Jed Lowry on and talking about Jed went to this bat place where he's getting tested for a bat, almost like he's testing for golf clubs and guys are weighing their bats now. And every, we got all these bats that are different from each other. We don't know which balls we're using. Isn't that kind of odd that we don't really regulate exactly what the equipment being used is? It, it's, it's strange. You're right. That, and maybe there's just a lot more stuff in our sport um, than some of those other places. Though I, I will say, before the whole Tom Brady thing, it never occurred to me that some footballs were inflated more, more or less than other footballs. So maybe there's a lot of stuff out there I just don't know about. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen a lot of changes, uh, you know, over the years in in the quality of wood bats for sure, in the you know the equipment that that hitters wear to protect themselves, in in the things the pitchers do to control the baseball. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. It's not an easy job that, that Major League Baseball has to regulate all of this. Yeah, we were talking to Eno Saris, and he was talking about the spider tack. So I actually looked it up on uh, on Amazon. Uh, it's thirteen. It was actually thirteen ninety nine. I'm like, wait a minute. We're claiming that this sub substance that's actually used for people who lay stone. We're talking about this substance that's changing the game. And David, you can get it on Amazon for fourteen dollars. I'm I'm familiar with it, and and it's so surprising to hear that Eno was talking about that subject. Um, <laughs> no, I again, you know, it was something that Major League Baseball talked about a lot this off season, spring training. You know, they collected a lot of baseballs in April. I know they're they're committed to eliminating this issue of foreign substances on the baseball because we have seen a significant rise in spin rates from a lot of pitchers, but. Uh, it's not an easy problem to solve. I, I, I will say that. And, um, and I, I know the Athletic wrote an article about it today. 
Um, but I also know that, that Major League Baseball is working on it. So we're hope we're hopeful that that things do get regulated. Well, I, and the thing I think you got to be happy about is your pitching so far. I, I know it struggled in this last series uh, against the Astros. I mean, their lineup is very, very good. But, you know, in a world where a lot of teams aren't getting innings from their starter, their starters, you are. Yeah, it's look, you you said it right. That's a very good lineup we faced the last three days. And you look up at the at the batting averages on the board for the Astros lineup when when the game as a whole is hitting two thirty and you've got your first five guys all with threes at the start of their batting average, you know they're doing something right. So it's a it's a tough lineup. Uh I will say I was very pleased with the starters the last couple nights and guys were able to settle down I mean we saw Sean and, and Frankie have really tough first innings um, and kind of bounce back and, and collect themselves and Sean gave us a quality start Frankie gave us a chance to win after or to be in the game and win after five so um, those things are important when you're playing every day and you're trying to manage the workload of, of the, the bullpen and um, you know, I, I will say, yeah, our starters have done a nice job of keeping us in games, if, if not actually giving us a chance to win every night. I know on this program, I sound like old man river and I bring a batting average and everybody tries to tell me batting average doesn't matter. And I go, Hey, proof's in the pudding. The Astros have the best batting average. They've scored the most runs. I mean, as much as home runs are great, and OPS and OPS plus and want to see the ball being hit out of the ballpark. To me, David, batting average still matters because I think the Astros are a great example of that. Well, yeah, look, I just quoted it before you had to say anything about it. So so maybe they'll yell at me instead of you. But um, but no, it's, it's important. Again, hits are so hard to come by in today's game. I mean, how many how many no hitters? We've seen six no hitters here in the first six plus weeks of the season. Um, and like I said, we're looking at, at historically no, low numbers in terms of batting average. Um, and, and yeah, that's not to say that, that getting on base and walks aren't still just as important as ever, maybe more so because it's harder to hit your way on. But, um, but it certainly is an indicator of, of what you have as a team and, and how you're able to put, you know, to put innings together to score runs. And, and there's no doubt that just, you know, finding a way to get hits these days is critical. All right, just two more, and I think this is a great positive for you, is Elvis has got a 10-game hitting streak, and he's hitting 333 during that time. So as a veteran guy that you brought in, and everybody says what a well, just what a great guy he is in the clubhouse, seeing him hit again, yeah, what, what's that like for you guys in the front office? Yeah, it's it's a big boost for everybody because, like you said, everybody likes him so much, and he has a really important presence in the dugouts. Um, but he started to do some things that, that we've seen over the years and, and you see him go, you know, go to right field with an outside pitch and, and find a hole up the middle, little things that, that get guys back on track. So yeah, it's nice. I saw that stat yesterday about a 10 game hitting streak and it feels like he's, he's definitely figuring things out. And let's end on this. Where are we with Jesus Lazardo and where are we with AJ Puck? <laughs> well, AJ threw a good inning last night in Vegas uh, had a one, two, three inning, and nine pitches. Felt great up to 95. He's going to get another outing here in a couple of days. Hopefully, going uh, one plus, maybe two innings, and then uh, then we'll be ready to make a decision on him. And Zeus threw a, a bullpen yesterday uh, in Oakland. Felt great. He's going to uh, he's going to do the same on Sunday. Up and down twice. Try to get to 40, 45 pitches. 
and uh, and then hopefully go out on a rehab assignment after that. So um, so they're both getting close, which is good. It'd be nice to get some reinforcements, get those guys back. Great stuff as always. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Chris. I'll see you. The David Ford Show, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. When I mean, I just I hope there's a day where we're doing this show and we're doing A's total access and we're talking about AJ Puck and Jesus Lazardo going once every five days. I hope there's that time and that will be a great time. Can't wait to see it. I don't know when that's going to happen, but these two kids have dynamic arms. Just when can Jesus Lazardo figure it out as a starter and when can A.J. Puck stay healthy? Or you go back to what the commander has predicted is that he becomes a bullpen guy. And I don't, you know, if, if that's what it is, ends up happening, that 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 role has completely changed. You know, your mop-up guy used to be a failed starter who, ah, we're going to bring him in, we're down four, we just get us some innings. That's not the case anymore. With the five and dive era, somebody's got to get you six, seven, and then you got your guys for the eighth, and you got your guy hopefully for the ninth. But it's now the bridge guy to the bridge guy to closing out the game has become very important. You know, when you talk about a guy like, you know, I, I got I, I got bases loaded in the sixth inning. I got Josh Hader out there to, you know, I got to put this fire out. You know, putting your best, you know, Anderson, you know, unfortunately not there with the uh, Rays, but we saw him throughout the playoffs. He's coming, he can come in the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, even though he was the Rays' best reliever. And maybe A.J. Puck could be that guy because A.J. could come out of the pen and he could give you three innings. Heck, he could go Raleigh Fingers and get you seven, eight, nine, and close the game out. Is that guy valuable? I, Cody, I think that guy is. Uh, absolutely. And, well, you know my feelings on this already. I, I think well, – I'm just a uh, – I don't know. I, I'm a second-bedroom GM. That's what my, this is what my office is, a second-bedroom in my apartment. But You're I think, a lower-level employee that doesn't make decisions – about the ball club. Yeah, but on MLB the show. Yeah, but on the MLB the show twenty one, I'm in a I am a World Series winning GM. So I have AJ Puck as a reliever and uh he's deadly out of the bullpen. And I think honestly that if the starting thing doesn't work out, it didn't work out for Josh Hader, he's an incredible reliever. And I think that that is a, a role that you might have to take with AJ. You heard David Force say he pitched a, a a great inning yesterday in Vegas. I think that's a role you might have to take with him. And just take it day by day and let him build his way up. And then if he if he can build his way up to being a starter, great. But if not, he can become the next Josh Hader, Andrew Miller, you know, insert uh great left handed reliever here. Terrific. You know, there's been so many guys recently that we've seen come out of the bullpen that have been the bridge guy, the gap guy, the guy that gets to the ninth inning, or could be the closer. Either way, you gotta get some value out of him. He was a first round draft pick. You can't just let him not give you anything, and then his career just gets keeps getting marred by injuries. Now, Hazel Cesardo, he's still pretty young. He's, what, 23 or 24? So he's still, you still got time with him. 
I think you have more time with him than you do with A.J. Puck. He's a college guy. So he's getting up there. He's in his mid-20s now. So I think that you've got to figure this out sooner than later with Jesus. He'll be back. And if he can figure out the command, the strike zone, I think he does have the stuff to become an ace. But I think we're putting too much pressure on him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I said stuff. I didn't say he is an ace. I, I don't said, want to hear ace. Don't even bring that up. You well, know how much that drives me nuts. Everybody wants to crown the next guy an ace. You know, win something. Win a Cy Young. Go to the All-Star game. Do something. We way too quickly crown people something. Sonny Gray is one of the greatest examples of that. And, you know, can he be that guy? Maybe. I mean, you got to do it first. I mean, that's that. I mean, that's the bottom line. Everybody wanted to ink Sonny Gray up. Long-term contract for Sonny. Not so sure about that. And, I, you know, I root for Sonny. Sonny's a nice kid. But... How many Cy Young Awards has he won? That'd be zero. He's pitching very well in Cincinnati. You're right. He's Getting him out of New York was a very good move for his career. Going yeah, to Cincinnati, that, that, reuniting him with York, his Vandy coach was a very good move for him. New York's too big for him. Cincinnati was the right move for him. It's so close to – I mean, proximity-wise, it's close to Vandy. Uh, and reuniting him with his college pitching coach, um, smart. And he's thriving in Cincinnati. Look, look how good their staff was last year with Trevor Bauer, too. That staff was really good. He's still to have, he's having a nice year this year, too. The Reds, uh, they're not really – their offense is good. They're just a so up-and-down team. But you're right about Sonny. He's a guy that I think we put the cart before the horse really, really fast with him, too. But it happens with so many guys, though. People get so excited – I bought a lot of guys. I, trust me, I was a, I, I'm a Pirates fan. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Every guy that came up to won a game was the next big ace for the Pirates. Oh, it's the next Doug Drayback. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, the Pirates haven't had – well, well. now it's going to be the next Garrett Cole. Let's be real. You know who I'm so happy for, and I hope he has a great start tonight, is James Caprellian. He's going back home. He grew up in Orange County. He was an Angels fan. And, of course, went to UCLA. So he's going to have a lot of family there tonight. Well, I don't know how much family. I don't know how much they're letting everybody in. But he's going to have family there tonight. And after watching his dad at Fenway Park, which was just beautiful to watch, living and dying with every pitch, how do you not as a parent? You've watched this kid grow. You took him to all those games. You've watched him struggle through the pain and Tommy John and the issues and to finally battle back and to win his first start ever at Fenway Park. To, and, 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 and if you remember back, that first inning was hairy. Like it was like, oh, no, you don't want that to be, you know, your first start is to get blown out early. And he rallied and got his first win. And to know that he's going to be at home tonight pitching against the Angels. You know, he's going to, he's going to have that adrenaline going. And the thing I liked about Caprellian, so I let the slider was legit. You know, he could be part of that future. 
You know, Mike Fires isn't, I mean, Mike, I mean, it doesn't sound good. And when they put you on the 60-day 60, 60 IL, you know, I'm not going to be shocked if I hear, you know, Mike Fires isn't going to be here for the rest of the season. Okay, now what? You've been lucky that Cole Irvin has been better than what you thought. I mean, you know, you might you might need to now ride a guy and 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 expect innings from James Caprellian. Because uh, I I still think Cody, the innings that you get from your starters, I mean, look, the Angels are not getting any innings from their starters, and look at what the record is. Whether they had Trout or not. I mean, if you don't get innings out of your starters, it, it's death. I mean, the A's are, you know, the A's played 17 days in a row. Now the A's are playing 16 days in a row. We're working 16 days in a row. And if you got a bunch of under five and dive guys, you're in trouble. Well, I mentioned it. Quintana's pitching tonight. He is in six of his last seven starts. He hasn't gone more than four and a third. And you have a bullpen that's struggling. Well, you have a whole team that's struggling pitching-wise. I mean, you have the worst ERA in Major League Baseball. And that's been the one thing for them that they haven't been able to figure out if you're an Angels fan. They, they haven't had pitching. Now, you and I went over this the other day off the air, but to some of the really bad luck that they've had with the pitching in their, in their organization and just really hard, you know, just horrible stuff that's happened. And you were hoping that Dylan Bundy was going to be a guy for you, and he's, he's been really bad this year. Dylan Bundy last year. I'll pull up his numbers because I was looking at this story that I got sent to me during the, during when David Force was on about a potential team in 2018 that may have not may have been another team that was cheating uh, along with the Astros. So, um, do you want to hear the audio? I've got the audio. Yes. Okay. So uh, then we'll go back to Dylan Bundy. So uh, Eric Kratz, former MLB catcher, was on the Curtain Call podcast uh, of the Yes Network, and uh, he was a catcher at the Brewers in 2018 when they played the. Colorado Rockies, and here's what Eric Kratz had to say about the Rockies back in 2018. I can tell you that a team that has been to the World Series often recently, we caught them doing something almost similar. And I can also tell you, and I, because I don't really care, I don't know anybody over there, the Colorado Rockies were doing the exact same thing in 2018. And we caught them, and we played them wow. in the playoffs. In the playoffs, you know how many runs they scored? In a three-game playoff series in 2018, not many people watched the NLDS, they scored two runs in the ninth inning of game two. And they used to take a Theragun and bang it on their metal bench. And they were doing the exact same thing from the TV. So that's, that's former Brewers catcher Eric Kratz. He's now retired, and he was on the Curtain Call pa- podcast on the Yes Network. So he's saying that the Rockies were, I guess, cheating in 2018 in the playoffs. Now, remember, the Rockies lost the uh, – they played a one-game playoff to win the uh, – to play for the AL or NL West against the Dodgers. They lost and played the Brewers in the divisional round and got swept in the first round. Because they – or the, sorry, they won the wild card game, then they played the Brewers – and they lost in the first round. So, interesting. I wonder who the, well, first, I wonder who the first team he was talking about was, though, because he didn't say. Because he said, here's this team, and then and I don't know anybody at this team, but the Colorado Rockies, 
Because I was like, you know, if you're talking about a team. Oh, I, those- I, can, I can tell you exactly who that is. He's talking about a team that's had a lot of success in the postseason. It's the Dodgers. And what's shocking about that. Now, what I mean, Ray Fossey said it on our air that he heard that there was like up to 18 teams doing it. And you just wonder, okay, this is this scandal is it's it's a it's a cover up. I mean, think about it. Major League Baseball basically said we're going to blame four guys, and the and the case is closed. But the problem is, you're going to have players who start to leave the game, who are going to be more honest. And we're going to find out somebody's going to write a book. Somebody, I mean, here you go on this podcast. We're going to hear more of this. Now, if he's saying the Dodgers were doing it, remember how the Dodgers were playing tough guy at their fan fest, just ripping the Houston Astros? If they were doing the same thing, wow. Well, he never said the Dodgers allegedly. Speculation. What other team has had had, had been had a, such great success in the postseason? I mean, if he, I mean, Boston's already been called out. Yeah, Nationals multiple times. So why wouldn't he bring up Nationals only at once? Who's the team other than the Astros that consistently wins in the postseason? Yankees. Well, they've been to the World Series, though, so it's not them. He hasn't been to the – yeah. So, who's been to the World Series multiple times and had great success in the postseason? Other than the Astros, there's only one team. Yeah. I just love how he just flat out – yeah, the Colorado Rockies. I don't know anyone over there. Someone's going to throw them under the bus. (laughs) Yeah, I can mention Colorado Rockies and everybody's going to go, ah, who cares? Yeah, well, hey, well, their best player's gone. Their GM's gone. Trevor Story's being linked to the – I still can't believe that Trevor Story's being linked to the A's. Uh, I mean, I can and I can't. It's just so crazy. But uh, quickly back to Dylan Bundy real quick because I said I'd go back to him. Uh, Bundy, last year in his first year with Anaheim, 6-3, and three, a 3 two nine ERA in 11 starts this year, 0-5, a six oh two ERA in 8 starts. That's what you're, you were expecting to get the 2020 Dylan Bundy, not the Baltimore Oriole version of Dylan Bundy that you're getting this year from him. That That's why they're struggling. I mean, they're not getting the production you're expecting. Now, their offense is good. Fletcher's back. He's an ace killer. He's a 320 career hitter against the A's. Rendon, um, Upton, you know, you lost Fowler for the year. But they have guys in their lineup that can hit. They can't pitch. They're never, they've never been able – they haven't been able to pitch. And when they do have guys that pitch, they leave. Well, that's because kind of one, one of their best pitchers is in the booth. That's The great Mark Langston, the greatest San Jose State Spartan of all time, and he's going to join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. Well, our next guest here on A's Cast Live is the greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player of all time and in the San Jose State Baseball Hall of Fame. He was a four-time All-Star, a seven-time Gold Glove winner, and a three-time AL strikeout leader, now a great broadcaster for the Angels. Mark Langston is with us. It's always great to have you back on the program. I tell you what, the Spartan connection is always a beautiful thing, so 
I always enjoy our conversations every time we get to have them. You know, I remember when we were trying to figure out who Shohei Otani is, and I remember we were <laughs> we, we were reading these scouting reports when these scouts went over to Japan, and they said this guy has ace like ace like stuff. But I'm not sure. Is I don't think he's going to be able to hit at the major league level. I look back at those reports and go, "Are you kidding me?" It is amazing what he is doing down there in Anaheim. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it's difficult to do one of those traits or one of those skill levels, but for Shohei to be able to do both at the level he's doing it is crazy. And I'm with you. When he first came over from Japan, I thought the struggle would always be in the offensive side. Because stuff plays, it doesn't matter where, what league you play in. When you throw 100 and have a filthy split, that's going to play anytime. But the offensive side, you get over here, these, these are the best in the world that play over here. They can find holes and they will exploit those holes. I thought that's where the struggle would come from. And boy, I was wrong. Even in 2018, he showed us, uh-uh, I can hit at the major league level this year. But he's taken it to another level here in 2021. And I think part of that is the freedom that Joe Madden has allowed him to have. First time, I think, in his baseball career, he's had complete freedom to call his shots. Yeah, because I was like, I, want, I, I don't care, you know, what day he's pitching. I have him in the lineup every day. This is like Little League. You're the best player. You're pitching. You're hitting. You're playing every day. We're not taking you out of the lineup. We're not babying you. I agree. And that's part was been part of the problem when he was pitching. We wouldn't see him in the lineup for three straight days. That's a big piece out of your lineup. And certainly the way he's performing this year, it's a major piece out of your lineup. So Joe Ben had a long conversation with him saying, hey, if you want to do both, Here's the deal. I need you in this lineup. You can't have the day off before you pitch or, you know, you got to start picking these moments here because I got to have you in the lineup. And so Shohei, and he gave him complete freedom to call it. Says, hey, you want to hit the day you pitch, you can hit. If you want to hit the day after your pitch, you tell me you're not sore and your body's telling you you can do it, you're going to be in the lineup. So Shohei has been able to call his shots. The only thing that Joe Madden asked out of him is to be transparent and say, hey, when you need a blow and you need an opportunity to take a rest, you've got to be honest with me because I don't know what's in your mind. I don't know how your body feels. So if Shohei is up, up front with Joe, Joe has no issues putting him in the lineup. Every time Shohei goes thumbs up, I'm in. When do you think we can see him go once every five days and go more than five innings? Uh, you, you, the whole big picture of this is you got to remember, this guy hasn't pitched in two and a half years, and he barely pitched the last year in Japan. He had some elbow issues, only made 10 starts his rookie year. So there's a lot of, there's a big gap there, and there's not a lot of levels of arm strength. So I think they're going to, the six man rotation the Eagles are on, it's because of Shohei. They want to make sure they give him rest, but they, they obviously have him in the lineup. Next year, that could, that could change very easily next year. Once these guys, you know, obviously everybody was affected by the 2020 season. But for Shohei, he did, again, he didn't even get a chance to pitch. We don't even count those two starts that he had last year. So it's building that base up, and that's kind of what we've seen with Shohei. He's been a little rusty command-wise uh, this season. A lot of it is he had the blister problem early after his first start, and then he got hit on the right elbow in one after. In one, right before one of his starts, so that set him up 
So he hasn't been able to do the side days like he normally would, but now that's starting to get consistent for him. So we'll see how it plays out. But I think next year you could see him every five days. I was, I've been asking people this. I asked Ray Fossey. I asked Ken Korak. I said, can you imagine before the start of the season, I would have said by the time we finally face the Angels, there would be no Mike Trout and there would be no Pujols. And we've all gone like, wow, what has that been like? Albert Pujols no longer with the Angels playing for the Dodgers and Mike Trout out with a calf again. Yeah, obviously the Trout scenario is a major, major issue. Uh, you know, Trout, the best player in the game of baseball, uh, and um, and having him not in the lineup on a daily basis, it, it's it's a big missing piece. Albert, no question. I, I, I mean, I've, I've felt blessed to be able to watch what he has done and the people he's passed. The day he passed Willie Mays on the home run list, I texted him immediately after the game, and I said, I almost had tears in my eyes because I grew up watching Willie Mays, watching those home runs, and to see you go past one of the greatest players in the game, uh, it was thrilling to me. And it was a, Albert's a class act any way you want to put it. Uh, it. And it came to one of those scenarios. I wasn't in the room. I don't even know what happened in the, the scenarios that were presented to Albert. But his playing time was going to greatly decrease just from Otani's going to DH every day. And Jared Walsh, the young kid, is has been off to a great start. He's going to play first base. So, uh, I, I don't know. Albert's role from that point on was going to be maybe some at-bats off lefties and some pitch inning. I, and, and I don't know if that was something that, uh, you know, Albert didn't want to do. I, again, I wasn't in the room. I don't know how that whole thing played out. But you, you feel, you know, I'm sad that I don't get to see Albert Pools uh, have his at-bats anymore. You know, it, it's happened throughout the history of our game. I think about all the teams that you played for, uh, and you think about Willie Mays being a Met against the A's in the World Series. You know, some of the greatest players, whether we're talking Babe Ruth or Willie Mays, for God's sakes, Ricky Henderson played for almost everybody. It's just, uh, <laughs> it, it just happens, right? I mean, it's just, it's the way the sport works. Father Time's going to grab everybody that puts a uniform on, no matter what level or wherever you go. It's going to play out. And uh, for Albert, uh, you know, he's getting towards the end. He, he you know, it's, he still wants to play. And it, it almost reminds me of what Carlton Fisk told me one time. He said, you play until they rip that jersey off your back because you'll always have that time on the outside. But, you know, it, it, very few guys get to call their shots at the very end of their career. Albert is certainly deserving of whatever he wants to do. Let him do it. And I'm glad that he found a team, and I'm glad that the Dodgers – decided that they were going to give him an opportunity because he still wants to play baseball. And he's still, you know, a guy that can drive in runs. That's the one thing with Albert. Yes, he's not the Albert Pujols of the St. Louis Cardinals days, but he is a guy that knows how to drive a run in. Every time it seemed like you needed that big RBI, Albert found a way to get it done. So he still possesses that ability. And just having him around, being in anybody's clubhouse, you're going to be better just from the experience and the conversations he's able to have with everybody on that team. You know, talking about Trout and that calf, we just had our old buddy Josh Donaldson on, and he's dealt with this now for a few years. And now this is a second straight year 
for for Trout, and it's just scary because I mean he's the kind of guy we all want to see. I mean, obviously he's killed the A's, but you want to see him because he's truly one of the greatest players we've ever seen. How how worried are you guys about that calf? Yeah, it's you. You just mentioned Josh Donaldson. The Angels just played a doubleheader with the Twins yesterday, so we saw Donaldson, and Donaldson's not the same player. I mean, I watched him run. On, and, and it's like he cannot pick him up and put him down. He just it's puts the head down and he gives you everything he's got. So for Mike Trout, uh, it, it is something that is calf injuries, man, they are scary little deals. Certainly when you're a power guy like Trout and speed is one of your factors and you have to really, when you get back and you're feeling really good, you've done all the rehab, but you haven't cranked it up in a game situation because that'll be the final test. And you could do minor league rehabs all you want, but it'll never be the same as if you're in Yankee Stadium. You've got to beat out a ball, or you've got to make that play out in the outfield when that first quick step is going to come into play at that major league level in a major league game. So uh, it's something they, they have got to take their time with this one. they got to try to make sure it is completely healed. Otherwise, you're going to chase it not only this year, but you're right. Maybe you chase it for, for years to come. So – I think that's the game plan right now for the Angels. They are going to make sure that this thing is completely healed before you'll see Trout back on the field again. As we mentioned earlier, you led the American League in strikeouts three times. You struck out a lot of people in your career. But can you imagine playing today where people don't care about strikeouts? (laughs) How many guys you'd strike out in today's game? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's like there, there was a lot of pride and guys did not want to strike out or strike out at all. They always try to put the ball in play. And you're right. You save the same swing uh, on the first pitch as you do on an 0-2 pitch. There's no adjustments really made at all. Something that Joe Madden has been preaching to these guys with the Angels. The Angels are a team that they don't strike out a lot. Joe Madden's even talked about these guys choking up a little bit. Get into your two-strike swing, and let's try to spray the ball around. And, Yes, you, you are going to sacrifice potentially some power in those situations, but we're looking for contact. And, and Joe's been preaching that, but you're right. In today's game, it's, it's few and far between guys making adjustments when they have two strikes on them. You know, when you're up in the booth and you see these shifts, and sometimes you're going to see four guys in the outfield. Some guy, sometimes you see everybody on the right side or everybody on the left side. I'm not sure pitchers are comfortable pitching with the shift behind them. Uh, can you imagine what that would have been like? And would you have liked it? Would you have pitched to the shift? Or, or would it have been something that would have annoyed you? You know, you, you've got to make sure every pitcher is involved. And, but here's the deal. It's all great in pregame and on paper. It's great to, you know, to map all that stuff out, where you want to position. But you get into a game, and the, the stuff that you just talked about, how you're going to attack a guy, that may have to switch it changed because you don't have that stuff. So you have to make the adjustment. So you may be positioning with your A stuff and you don't have that A stuff. That's the part that, that really uh, I would freak out on. And to me, I always like to be, you know, back in the day, as you well know, the infielders kept tab on what your stuff was that day. And they were able to judge it and almost position themselves accordingly. So they would make the, you know, that take the two steps to the left or two steps to the right based on either the breaking ball or maybe your stuff that day. Yeah, we had Ben McDonald on recently. He was now broadcasting for the Orioles, and he talked about how his rookie year, Cal Ripken Jr., was calling his pitches. 
Yeah, I remember all those stories about Cal out there who would call pitches. Uh, and, you know, here's again, a legend, a guy that's paying attention. And the whole time I played with the Angels, I sat next to Rod Carew every night. I learned more about my craft sitting next to Rod, listening to either talk to our hitters or if I was pitching in a series, I would ask him, Rod, what do you think about this guy? What, what do you see? And he'll go, watch his hips. His hips are opening real quick. He's vulnerable to off-speed stuff on the outer half. So you, you have to pay attention to that stuff. So you trust those everyday players that are in that batter's box every day and listening to their feedback. That's critical to me. Well, I can't wait to get back to normal, and it's going to be you know soon. We're actually – I'm bringing the kids. We play you guys. It's a day game. Then we're flying down to Anaheim, and I'm taking the kids to uh, Disneyland on the 17th. I think that's when I'll kind of feel normal walking down Main Street at Disneyland, being in Southern California since we've been basically locked here in Northern California. Yeah, you, you'll love it. There's, it's pretty open down here. Certainly we're in the bubble down here in Orange County way more than everybody else. Uh, so th you're right. Things are opening by the day here in Southern California, which is, which is great. Uh, and it's fun. We keep hearing our, our, our stadium's going to open up to, uh, you know, to more people here very, very soon. And that'll be great. That'll be, it's fun to just to see people in the seats now, but when they start, you know, packing them in again, uh, I can't wait for those days. Well, it's great to hear your voice. We miss seeing you guys up here in Northern California. Be well, be safe, and, and hopefully we'll be able to talk soon. All right, Townsie. Always great talking to you, and I look forward to it down the road. That's my guy, Mark Langston, the great San Jose State Spartan. I've only ever heard two people ever call you Townsie. It's him and Adam Rosales. Or the only two I've ever heard him call you Townsie, which is fine, but it's it's just funny to hear the the two people. It's just the, those two guys. So um. and he 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 he's a wonderful guy, and and. I don't – I mean, were, were you too young to remember how good he was? Uh, I think so, but I remember going back to look. I remember I, I remember him mostly as an expo more than anything. Well, he was only there like one year. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I remember all expos. Jose Vidro, Javier Vasquez, Vladimir Guerrero. Ooh, uh, that's a young Vladimir yeah. Guerrero. That's the greatest expo of, of – Pedro Martinez – well, what Vladimir Guerrero's the greatest expo? Well, one of them. He should have won the Hall. He's, of he's one of them, but he he should have won mean, the Hall of Fame as an expo. I got Andre Dawson and Tim Raines and Gary Carter on the phone. He should have went to the Hall of Fame as an expo. That's just what I saw him. He went in as an angel, right? I believe. Yeah, I believe so. That, that just doesn't sit well with me. What well, did he What did he ever I, do in Anaheim? How many World well, Series did he win in Anaheim? Uh, I think that's when he won his MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. How many worlds? How many playoff games did he win? Well, that, well, probably probably won a couple, but it's not the point. You know, the uh, Angels are ten and twelve at home, nine and thirteen on the road. Oh, they're not they, very. They're not very good. It's bad. And they have a good manager. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense. They can't pitch, but they have a good manager. They have a really good manager. Joe Madden is a very good manager. It's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, for us, we don't want them to figure it out. But I mean, if you're an Angels fan, I live with one. Um, 
I, I feel bad. I mean, it has to be miserable being an Angels fan sometimes. They have their one World Series back in 02. But, I mean, it ha- I mean, since then, I mean, Mike Trout's in the playoffs one time, and he's got swept by the Royals in 2014. I mean, I just – I mean, I, I don't know how you can – I mean, I have no room to complain because, I mean, I won 20 years of seeing with the team, the team I grew up with, it never winning. But at least they've won in the playoffs before. At least I've seen them win a playoff game. It is so hard for me to write L.A. It's such a sham. Well, yeah, you're, and you're writing L.A. L.A.A. too. Which... I mean, L.A. It's just just thinking about it, like, come on. I mean, seriously, you're Orange County. You're not Los Angeles. You're not in Los Angeles County. You're in Orange County. You're in Anaheim. Uh, and you're calling yourself the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, to this day, it it's still a joke. It's a total joke. So we got about four minutes. Do you want to do a couple of buying That's or selling? You, you, we got yeah. Do you want to do a couple of buying or selling? Yeah, let's go. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, one of them I really want to get to, so I'm going to save it. But first, I want to get to this one because this guy's name was mentioned in the same article as a uh, future A Trevor story. Uh, and it mentions uh, the Texas Rangers, who uh, they stink right now. They're the worst team in the AL West. They got no hit for the second time the other day by uh, Corey Kluber, former Ranger. They are rebuilding in a division that is a two-team ra- two-team race right now between the Astros and the A's. Which brings us a 27-year-old Las Vegas native, Joey Gallo, the Gold Glove winner. The AL leader in strikeouts is currently hitting 213 with seven homers. And 64 strikeouts. I hate to add it, but Matt Chapman's only three behind him for the lead in the American League at 61, entering play on Friday. He can become a free agent in 2023. Mark Feinstein of MLB.com had an article out today talking about Gallo and where he could end up. And can you guess what team he said that Joey Gallo could end up playing for this season? Joey Gallo? What team could use an outfielder? Short, ports, and right. Always looking to spend. A New York Yankee. Oh, Joey Gallo is a New York Yankee. Now he's making $6.2 million in 2021. Well, that is, doesn't matter. Is eligible for salary arb for one more year before he can reach free agency. He'd be a dream in Yankee Stadium for that short portion, right? And then you can make your guy, John Carlo Stanton, the permanent DH. Because remember, Aaron Hicks. Permanent DH. Well, that's too bad. He can't stay healthy. And uh, Aaron Hicks always gets hurt, too. He's probably going to miss the rest of the year with a wrist injury. Buying or selling, Joey Gallo. Will be a New York Yankee. That would be interesting. I saw him when I was in Texas. I saw him hit a bomb into the second deck at that old bar, the old ballpark that they had. And it's just like this guy. This guy's got extreme power. I, I mean, he'd be a dream for Yankee Stadium. I mean, he loves to pull the ball. I, I mean, I, I. It'd be a very interesting matchup. But then again, you're just adding another guy that's like the rest of their guys. Yep. Other well, than LeMahieu. Yeah. You're adding another guy that strikes out a lot. Hey, they, need more, they need more LeMahieu guys than they need more power guys. Uh, don't sleep on my guy Kyle Higashioka. Uh, I know Roxy had trouble saying his name. It's Higashioka, the greatest Yankee catcher since uh, Jorge Posada. Because uh, all he does is catch no hitters. Apparently, because that's only he's the only first guy to do it since Posada, David Cohn. But uh, so Washington Nationals ace. Hey, hey, by the way, 
Uh, he's the reason why the Sanchino hasn't been playing a whole lot. Well, he stinks too, but defensively he can't. Well, he can't hit either. Uh, but Higashioka can hit and he can play he can play catcher really well. So uh, Strasburg set to return from a month-long stint on the injured list Friday against the Orioles. So oh, great spot for him to come back. Strasburg was placed on the IL five weeks ago with right shoulder inflammation in his last start, a loss to the Cardinals in, in April 13th. He was tagged for seven earned runs on eight hits and gave up five walks in four-plus innings. His average velocity was only at 90.6 miles per hour. That's less than two miles per hour slower than his season debut. Since he signed that deal, he's pitched in 15 innings. He's given up 13 earned runs, four home runs. He's had 13 strikeouts and eight walks. Buying or selling, Steven Strasburg will stay healthy the rest of the season. Not buying at all. I mean, seriously. I mean, Steven Strasburg has been nothing but hurt throughout his career. He has a hell of a run for one year. And it's like I got A's fans in the back of my mind going, sign him long term. And look, you sign him long term and look. So many of these guys you fall in love with and sign them long term is just a bad deal. How much money have they paid him and 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 and, and what have they gotten out of him? How many innings? Uh, it's been since the start of 2020. He's gone four starts, 15 innings in four starts. Making like close, probably making around 30 million a year. Uh, he signed a seven year, $245 million deal. So. Uh, I do have one more. We don't need the music. It's just a really easy question. Buying or selling, we will see a no-hitter this weekend. Buying, for sure. <laughs> uh, we, I, I, we might see two or three. I wonder who it's going to be. Uh, if I have to throw out a name. Uh, DeGrom, DeGrom, uh, DeGrom pitched a game in single A against the Cardinals last night. Their social media was pretty funny. The Cardinals single A team. They were like, uh, DeGrom's throwing 102. Please send help. Um uh, DeGrom went three innings, struck out eight, and uh, someone said, please give the guy that didn't strike out the uh, the MVP. <laughs> the, uh, the thing about these no-hitters, it's like every single night, and I may be exaggerating a little bit, but MLB, MLB app sends out notifications. Oh, there's a no-no brewing. It seems like we get that every single night. It's in the sixth. It's in the seventh. I mean, this is going on all around baseball. I've got an idea what to do. But I bet we don't have time. I will explain on Monday there you go. how I think I could fix the game. Because like, like David Force said, it's kind of strange that we don't regulate our equipment. Is this the loosey-goosey era of equipment? Seems like it. We'd have no idea what ball we're using. Guys are using these bats that don't break anymore. I think it's a good question. All right, what are we playing next? Uh, Memories with Voos, episode three with Vince Catronio. Awesome. And, then, and, then and I'll be back. At 538, so you got about 13 minutes. It's a weird pregame start at 538. 538, I'll be back with A's Total Access. We want to thank Roxy Bernstein. We want to thank David Forrest. I mean, this has been a really good show, and we want to thank the great Mark Langston. Up next, Voos and Vinny. Doesn't get any better. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.